Hey Steve, this is David of Idaho. I uh, just wanted to say thanks uh, for your help picking up my bikepacking gear. I'm calling you from my first bikepacking trip, my campsite for the night up here near Elk River, northern Idaho, uh, not far from the Elk River Pond in Creek, Elk Creek. Um, been a beautiful day, about 70 miles and about 8,000 feet of climbing and uh, really enjoy myself and I just want to thank you for helping me find the right gear Steve uh, also that I just uh, really enjoy your My Back 40 podcast and uh, you know I know there's a lot of people that do so I uh, just want to say thanks and um, peace, love and God bless you all Hey everybody, welcome back to My Back 40 and the My Back 40 podcast. I'm your host, Steve O'Shaughnessy. David of Idaho, thank you so much for that voice intro. Um, David and I have been chatting back and forth a little bit. Um, I've been giving him a little bit of advice or my take on bikepacking gear and the activity. And he's been sharing information about my internet presence. And uh, it's been awesome. He's had a lot of great info for me and uh, I really, really appreciate it. So um, if you'd like to be like David of Idaho and send me a voice intro, please do without your device. And you know what? It doesn't matter what you're doing. You could be sitting at your desk at the office just thinking like, man, I want to get out there and go riding. Or you could be out stuck in the woods somewhere with a mechanical and you want to vent or uh, you just tell me about your trip. I don't care. I just want to know what you're thinking. And I want you to whip out your device, record something, and send it to myback40podcast at gmail.com. And if you do that, I'll put you on the show. And if you also include your address, I'm going to send you some stickers to say thanks for sending me a voice intro. Um, you know, I really appreciate it. And I love hearing from you guys. So I'm super excited about today's podcast. And um, it's with Mike Dion. Anyone who's a bike packer knows Mike Dion and knows the, his movies. And this event, rtd10.com, is an event that's going to honor bikepacking and the history and genesis of the Great Divide. I'm going to read this from the website just because there's a lot of information. I want people to kind of get the whole gist. This is a live event. It's going to be on August 2nd, and it starts at, uh, looks like, 3 p.m. Eastern time. Um, there's going to be lots of stuff going on, engaging and entertaining conversations with the people who actually created the Great Divide mountain bike route and those who are integral in shaping the bikepacking movement as we know it. These people helped lay the early foundation for the sport we are experiencing today, so why not go and check it out? Uh, a special screening of Ride the Divide with participating athletes and crew answering your chat comments in real time during the screening. There's a live video Q&A after the film. And then there's pre-recorded conversations in the event screening room with industry leaders discussing the current state of bikepacking and adventure touring. We felt after learning about the history during this live event, it was important to also discuss what is currently impacting our community surrounding inclusion, diversity, and access. Mike wanted me just to uh, let you know as well that if you miss the live event, no problem. You can still buy a ticket and get access and everything's going to be recorded. So you can do it offline kind of later. You don't have to be at the live event if you can't make it. Um, and he just wanted to, to uh, assure everyone that the content will be there even after the fact. So don't feel like you're missing out. You can still get in there. If you don't make it or if you can't make it, you can't make it. No big deal. It's all going to be there. So 
We're going to get to it in a minute, but I need to tell you some promo codes. Cycling 101, great supporter of the MyBike40 podcast. I much appreciate it. I'm working with Ryan Draper. He's my coach. Um, I have nothing but good things to say about this dude. Um, Just a great coach, Uh, not only from a physiological athletic standpoint, but also just life, man. He's just a good dude to talk to. And uh, I really appreciate the relationship I have with him. Um, And uh, yeah, thanks, buddy. Like, I can't wait to work with you. He's going to be coaching me for the Tour Divide next year. So I'm hoping to go into that like a friggin' racehorse and Ryan's going to help me do it. With that, if you need a bike fit or a consultation, you can reach out to Cycling 101 and ask Ryan for help and he can help you. And if you use the promo code 101VIP20, you're going to save 20% off the bike fit or a consultation. So give him some love, guys. If, if you need those services, bike fit's super important. So if you've been thinking, eh, maybe I should get my bike fit to me properly, well, go see Cycling 101, use the promo code 101VIP20 and you're going to save 20% on it. It's a no-brainer. Also, Ryan shared with us his Knack Bar Ambassador Code, which is Ryan. So head on over to Knack Bar, do some shopping. If you spend over 50 bucks, I believe you get free shipping. And if you use the promo code Ryan at checkout, you're going to save 20%. All right, let's get started. Mike Dion. I met Mike Dion at the 2017 Bike Pack Canada Summit. And uh, when I first met him, I was like, wow, this guy's a fucking rock star. <laughs> Everyone thought he was a rock star, and he is, because he created this film that was basically the catalyst for most of us uh, to get into bikepacking. I, I speak for myself for sure, and I'm sure there's a lot of you out there who know this guy and know this film. I was just watching it the other day, and I'm not sure why I didn't watch it sooner, before the interview perhaps. I'm just too fucking busy. But um, as soon as we finished the interview that night, I went up and I had a look, and goddamn, man, such a great flick. Um, music's great, just a good vibe. And I think the message that I took away from that film was uh, that it's not just about the bikes and the racing and the athletic prowess. It's also about the journey. It's about people. It's about relationships. And uh, I think that's one of the things I'm so pumped about getting out there is to experience these things and uh, just, you know, make new relationships. And, uh, you know, the camaraderie I know at these events is amazing. And uh, I know that the start, the grander part of the Tour Divide is just going to be pretty mind-blowing. So um, we can all attribute our passion to watching that film. And uh, Mike talks about that. He talks about the catalyst of it. He talks about his creative process. Um, we talk about lots of things in this podcast. So I really hope you enjoy it. And uh, I just wanted to say before we get going quickly is that I'm racing this weekend in The Lost Elephant. So I'm going to try to put this out early. And then I have one coming up with Bonnie Gagnon. And I'm really excited to bring that one to you as well. There's going to be a lot of editing because we just kept losing our connection. But um, kind of like a one-two punch with Tour Divide Info. And uh, I really enjoy talking to Bonnie. And you're going to really dig that podcast next week. It might be a bit late, though. So I just got to finish a race first. And then I'll try to put it out. So thanks for your patience. <laughs> Without further delay, I bring you Mike Dion. So how you doing? Good. You've been Just, busy. Uh, yeah, totally. Um, the, you know, this whole idea, you know, to do something for the 10-year re- reunion was, you know, ebbing and flowing and, and whatnot. And, and, um, and then kind of right before COVID, you know, some things were kind of thrown out. Um, and I wasn't really <laughs> kind of resonating with, with uh with some of those and then when covid hit and then you know everybody everything went 
went virtual and things were, you know, all the live events and movies and concerts were all going virtual. So then it's like, shit, we could do something actually pretty cool for this 10 year reunion along, along with that. So, so then all of a sudden it was like, okay, go <laughs> with this big sort of audacious idea. <laughs> well, it's not that audacious. I think it's fantastic. Cause you know, I, I'm sure I'm, I'm one of many people who, who were inspired by that movie. Like I just remember watching it and just being blown away. And, uh, um, next year might be the year for me. I think I'm going to try to do nice. it next year. So I'm, I'm are we, pretty, are we recording man? Or should we, should we hit, hit the record button? I'm recording right now. Oh, yeah. Okay. I usually record right from the beginning. All right. Good. Sorry. My then, bad. Yeah. I just kind of get right into it and I go in cold a lot. Cause you nice. know, I kind of, I kind of know where I want to go and just to kind of see, cause you know, we met what a, uh, bike pack Canada summit 2017 was it yes and you were a fucking rock star right at the I summit <laughs> no man you were I man was, I was just me I know I know and uh, I think a lot of people were excited to meet you and, and really excited to talk to you about that and about your background and whatnot so that's yeah. kind of when what we've when we first met but yep, um, it was um, and that was a great summit I had a really good time at that one and um so yeah, a lot of us there were inspired by this flick. And, um, like I said, what I remember when I first saw it, I, I was blown away by it. And, and, and that was like, you know, 10 years ago. Tell me what, what was the catalyst to actually make the movie in the first place? Gosh, there, there's, there's a big story to, <laughs> to kind of, you know, that lead leads into that. Um, so it takes, it takes a bit of backstory. So, um, I used to work at stars, entertainment so i was in the corporate side of things and you know tv and the movie business and whatnot kind of as you know this is going back 2006 7 8 i guess and um i had kind of started you know just get dipping my toe into the into the endurance stuff and that was like the leadville 100 was my first sort of sort of um thought about doing something a, a little extreme and and I was inspired by um Eldon Nelson as a podcaster I'm not sure the the fat fat cyclist um Eldon Nelson he's uh he's been um around for for quite some time and he had a blog back in the day you know this goes back before Facebook and and all that other stuff so so I was reading his blogs about doing the Leadville 100 and and that lit a spark under me. It's like, crap, that sounds amazing. I live in Colorado. Leadville is just up the road. So um, got into the Leadville 100, completed the Leadville 100 in a terrible time. But nonetheless, I completed it, said I'm never doing anything like that again. <laughs> uh, you know, like all of us. And then two weeks later, you're like, shit, next year I could shave hours off my time. Right. Yeah. So so that is kind of where the spark you know, was, was ignited. And then from there, you know, hitting Google, what, you know, what else, you know, exists in this world? Because, you know, back then it was more like just 24 hour races and hundred mile races and things like that, but somehow caught wind of the great divide race, which was um, on the great divide mountain bike route. And, you know, this was again, like 2000, you know, six, seven, somewhere, somewhere in there. And there was uh, forums, um, MTB review or something like that. So you could, you know, how we got our information again, pre Facebook and all that other stuff was, was in forums. So reading through these forum threads talking about, 
I don't even know if bikepacking was kind of being used then, but perhaps, you know, let's just call it bikepacking. But, you know, these guys racing from the Canadian border to, to the Mexican border and and uh, recounting things and then came across mtbcast.com, and which, you know, these these racers were were kind of calling in from pay phones on on a daily basis and and leaving their little you know reviews of what happened that day of of the craziness and you could and then we could read it or or then listen to it um and listening to those here i'm getting to the punchline steve sorry well, that was my setup take as much time as you need Mike. <laughs> so listening to to those call-ins as i was sitting in my you know cubicle in this uh, office building that's what really, you know, just was like, holy crap. These guys are out there just, you know, living the life, living off their bicycle. You know, they're in Montana and Idaho and Colorado. And, you know, that I grew up in Montana. So it's like, holy shit. I, how do I do this? What do I have to do to, to kind of do that? So, um, and there was a few things that kind of, you know, happened to kind of get to that point. But to give you a, a background is like, you know, we were all, I think different levels of of aware our awareness and then ins- inspiration came from certain things. So that's that was how I was inspired to to kind of get out there and seek seek it further. So did you kind of think um, I want to ride it on my own and I want to bring a film crew along with me to to document it? No, no, actually not. Um, so so that you know, following along for a good year or two. Um, and then, and then in t- early 2008, you know, Matthew Lee was, um, you know, one of the, a handful of, uh, of guys who were, were doing the race back in the day, but, but Matthew kept kind of starting in Banff, whereas everyone else was starting at, at the Canadian border. Um, because the true mapped route actually starts in, in Banff, call it in Banff, um, Alberta. So, so Matthew was like, dude, we should be doing the, you know, the set, the set route. So, so Matthew was starting two days before the race started, you know, in Banff and would, you know, sort of ride the, the Canadian section to, to the border and then meet up with, uh, you know, the handful of the other racers and, and then continue on that sort of set race. So I remember reading you know, Matthew just talking about you guys, come on, we need to start at the, uh, you know, in, in Banff. So, so anyways, just, you know, so Matthew had kind of, you know, bubbled up as this instigator, as this, as this, um, you know, person who felt super passionate about the route actually kind of starting, starting in Banff. So, so anyways, and, and I knew it was, was not easy and, and not tough. So to answer your question, no, I didn't think being able to bring a film crew was, was anything that, that was, was even kind of possible, you know, GoPros, I don't even think, you know, were, existed kind of, yeah, kind of I don't back think then. So, so, no. so I knew I wanted to do this. I'm like, well, crap, maybe I could at least bring, you know, a small HD camera, which, you know, we're still kind of fit in your hand. Um, and we're, you know, a couple pounds or, or something like that and, and do my best to kind of document this thing and, and maybe it'll turn into, um, you know, some, something who, who knows. So, so the yeah, first phase, no app film crew, not any, any idea, but, um, and then actually this was, you know, late 2007, um, as this was, was kind of going on, but then, um, early 2008, I was sitting um, at work and this proposal came across my desk um, 
about this documentary film project. Um, and this film project referenced another documentary that had been made in the past called Tez 10 Miles Per Hour, which these two guys took a Segway scooter across the country from the West Coast to the East Coast. And I'm like, crap, that kind of sounds, you know, another cross-country adventure. It's like, who, how did these guys pull that off? You know, how did, how did they do, you know, do this documentary? So... So I kind of looked looked that up, and 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 lo and behold, the two guys that made this film were actually you know here in Denver, Colorado, where I lived. So so I reached out. They had a they had a website. I reached out to this guy Hunter. Um, we kind of sat down, had a few beers, and I kind of talked about you know this mountain bike thing from Canada to Mexico, and and he's like, yeah, that sounds kind of kind of you know that sounds kind of cool. So so then it turned into so then that became the impetus of you know, I guess a film crew, you know, definitely not a big film crew, but um, Hunter and then Anthony Chimino, who I actually worked with at, at Stars, um, kind of said yes to this crazy, crazy adventure and, and um, decided to kind of hit the record button, you know, all day long over the over the course of three, four weeks on this thing. That's awesome. Um, so how did you how much time did you personally have to prepare to ride this track? Um, I had been, you know, not like massive, you know, huge, huge training, but from, I had a 24 mile commute. Um, so I was, you know, getting in 48 miles, uh, commuting to work, um, not every day, but you know, two or three days a week, um, I would do that. So that was my base. And then on the weekends, um, would, would kind of head out for three, three, five hours. But, but back then, you know, for me personally, I definitely was not out doing multi-day, huge, huge, huge trips. So I had, you know, done a hundred miles uh, on the Leadville race. And honestly, I had not done, put in um, maybe one or two uh, other moments where I hit a hundred miles in, in a day doing some training and, and things like that. So, so I guess, um, you know, riding my bike to and from work was the bulk of my training. Well, I think in a, a race like that or a, an event like that, um, we talk about it all the time on the podcast is the, the mental fortitude is more, I think the, the, the breaker, I think for a lot of yeah. people is, uh, you know, you, you, it sounds like you probably had tons of base, like no problem there, but it's just the, right. the experience and, and wrapping your head around actually doing something like that. Totally. I had been, you know, camping as a, you know, as a kid. So I'm, you know, growing up in, in Montana. So the outdoors and, you know, the bears and wildlife and being able to survive outside, was not at all an issue for me. So that, um, you know, wasn't a, a concern of mine. Um, you know, fitting kind of everything on the bicycle probably was the biggest kind of concern because there were only, you know, one or two people building bikepacking bags back then. And they were, they were very difficult to kind of get a hold of. Um, so I pro that was probably my biggest issue was just how do I get all this shit on my bicycle yeah, yeah. <laughs> or get get this stuff on my bike, which uh, sounds crazy to think about now, because you know now there's you know it's it you know it's nothing we you know there's gear reviews and you know gear is is uh, the knowledge about all this gear is is just so prevalent now. So I, I think too it comes down to experience because I was just um, on the intro for the podcast I did. Uh, I'm going to put out later today. I was talking about how I'm getting this, my bike here ready for the, for the race I'm doing next week. And, uh, in events past, I'd be freaking out 
I'd be like, what do I bring? Do I bring this? Do I bring that? How much of this? How much of that? And now it doesn't really occur to me. It's, it's more like, okay, I know what to bring kind of, and I know the season. So I know what I can leave out. And it's, uh, cause the first thing, the first event I ever did, I brought so much shit. It was unbelievable. It was just like, I lift this thing now and it's like, oh man, easy peasy. It's not, you know, not really bringing very much. So, um, what, what was your experience like once you got into it, everyone saw the movie. And uh, I'm sure everyone who saw the, who's seen the movie and, and actually rode the divide also cried because that really that really resonated with me because I've had those moments out there where you're just like, you know, you're 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 just it's such an up and down thing. You're sleeping like shit and you've got these big days and 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 those emotions just bubble up. Mm-hmm. Overall, your experience was how would you uh, how would you talk about your experience on it? Just wide eyed, I think you know you know look, looking back then you know. Comp- Compared to now, you look back on that and you're like, dude, what was your problem? <laughs> you know, it's like, it's, it's no big deal. You just, you know, you just load your shit up and you go, you know, in, in hindsight, you know, after you've, you know, done a few of these and, and like you just said, you, you now have that experience. So it, it's no big deal. But, but as kind of the first time back then, yeah, just wide eyed and it's like, holy crap, what, what have I gotten myself into? What's going on? And you're looking you know, looking at everybody else for, you know, ideas and, and what's going on. And, and, that, and if you are riding next to someone, you're kind of asking questions and, and things like that. So it was just, um, for the first few days, definitely just, just wide eyed and excited and, and going for it and, you know, going along and, and, uh, you know, it was super exciting, but then, yeah, just again, the, the thought of, of the unknown, um, was exciting and, and massive, but then definitely, yeah, getting into day three and four, you're like, oh my God, I'm only four days into this thing. <laughs> it's like, what the heck? <laughs> what was your budget? What were you thinking for time when you first started? I, I believe my goal was 22 days, 21 or 22 days was my goal. Yep. And yeah, it seems kind of reasonable. I think maybe for a first think, pack. I, I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Yeah. So that was, I believe it was, uh, you know, putting in 110 miles a day or something like that is how that, how that kind of roughed out. So that was what I was <laughs> thinking in my head anyway. Right. And again, you know, if you start planning for something like that, everyone who's, who's kind of done it is like, it's good to have a plan, but it's mm-hmm. also, you know, if you get really married to that plan, you can, you know, find yourself, you know, very depressed quickly and, and in a, in a negative state pretty quickly. <laughs> Yeah. When things don't, when things don't work out. Yeah. I think keeping the plan loose is, is a good idea for sure. Because they end up just beating yourself up, right? About oh, yeah. a day behind or 12 hours behind or whatever. And it's just, you forget about the journey, forget about just enjoying yourself out there. I think a little so bit, true. or you, you, one could, I'm not saying everyone does, but. Yeah. Um, no, very true. Yeah. So then you, uh, you pulled out at what point did you pull out? Um, in, in Wyoming. So just, um, pl- past flag ranch in, in Wyoming, which is just, um, South of, uh, the Yellowstone Yellowstone park is, is where I finally pulled out. And, uh, why'd you pull out? You know, it's, it kind of was, honestly, it was the freaking mosquitoes, <laughs> which sounds stupid, no. um, stupid enough. So this, um, this section along the southern part of of Yellowstone, there it was um, it was intermittent snow, mud, 
gravel, snow, mud, gravel, snow, mud, gravel for, um, it just kind of went, went on and on right there. And the mosquitoes in that section were just hundreds and hundreds and, and potentially thousands. I may be exaggerating, but you know, once I think once you, a swarm is a freaking swarm. <laughs> I think you're underestimating it. I would be hundreds of thousands. <laughs> <laughs> so, so just, and you couldn't, and because it was snow and mud, you were walking and Slow. you couldn't, you couldn't get, you couldn't escape them. And then when you did get um, onto some, some drier gravel, they would just, you know, tuck in behind, you know, your, your, your front bag and they would be kind of just <laughs> like, um, like, like in your, in your wake. Right. And then they would kind of, you know, hang out and then hop on your leg and bite through your, <sighs> um, you know, through your bike shorts. And it was, it was the most, that was the most miserable um, moment for me, honestly. Um, and then once I kind of broke out of that and, and got into, into flag ranch, which then was, you know, I wouldn't call it a resort, but as far as Yellowstone goes, it's, it's definitely, it's, um, got a, a little buffet and, and store and camping and, and cabins and, and things like that. And, you know, it was muddy and tired and hungry and I kind of go in and, and I'm like, Hey, can I, you know, pop in and grab a buffet? And the people are just looking at me <sighs> like you dirty cyclist. They're like, yeah, yeah. You know, go ahead and, you know, <laughs> have a seat. And then, you know, just standing in this buffet line, you know, get getting food and just having people kind of stare at me. And then after, and then just again, all these bolt this bulk of people and these tourists. I'm like, this dude, I'm I gotta done. get out of here. I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> so that honestly, what was it? So, so back to kind of the film crew. So I I called Anthony and Hunter, and that was kind of the phone call in the film. I'm like, I'm gonna stay here tonight. You know, if I, I'm I'm done, if I see you, you know, great. If not, you know, good luck filming. <laughs> I was just in in a bad place, but so they were, I don't know, like filming Ruben or something like that in in uh, down by Rollins, and then you know they hopped in the car and drove all freaking night to then kind of connect up with me, and I was bivying out. Um, in uh, in this camping area over there and that's kind of where they they found me all kind of bivvied up and and honestly looking you know back on that I almost wonder if they didn't show up that night if I would have you know woke up the next morning and you know gotten a bit of food if I would have like you know what I'll go today and see what happens but you know it's it's one of those hindsights you start playing the what if game you know in your mind so I've always I've heard from others uh, more experienced than I and uh, I remember on the, the, the one I scratched on, I, I, some people caught up behind me and I was like, I'm done. I'm done, man. It's like, no, don't say that. They're super just, no, you're not done. Don't say that yet. Well, you got to sleep on it first. And I didn't sleep on it. I kind of called it that night. And then when I woke up the next morning, you know, I was feeling pretty good. You know, yeah. all I needed was just food and rest, really. Yeah. You know, and I felt good about it. But um, same thing as you said near the beginning of the podcast, it's like, I'm never doing that again. What the hell? What was I thinking? And then literally like, it's probably just the same as you two weeks later. I'm like, okay, what can I do next year? What can, yeah. how can I redeem myself? You know? Yeah. Um, that's super cool. That's such a wonderful word of advice. You know, you, you kind of hear it is, you know, sleep on it. Don't make a drastic decision, you know, the day of, or the night of, you know, get a, get a, get some sleep, get some food, wake up the next morning. Um, 
and then and then kind of reassess and and then make a, a decision with a perhaps a different filter. Yeah, a different lens, different lens yep. on the whole thing. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so um, you you hung on right with with the crew and you filmed to the end. Yeah. So then, so from from there. I did kind of then took off my helmet and kind of put the producer hat on. Um, and then since we were in Idaho, we went and kind of had a chat with uh, Mike McCoy, who who we see kind of at, at one part in the film, who was the creator of the Great Divide mountain bike route. So he actually mapped out that route when he was with Adventure Cycling Association. So, so we kind of chilled out that day, had a good breakfast, went and interviewed um, Mac. And then we kind of, the three of us, Hunter, Anthony, and I then kind of chatted about next steps. What does filming kind of, kind of look like? So, so then we kind of continued into, um, into Steamboat, uh, Steamboat Springs. Um, and then um, Anthony ended up then kind of staying in, in Steamboat. And then Hunter and I continued on from a, a filming perspective for, for the rest of the, for the rest of the time. What what were your feelings following along rather than actually being on the bike? Um, I felt it felt good. Um, I because it's uh, I don't know. It felt good because you know it was almost two projects going on. You know, one, you know, kind of doing this as a potential film or or capturing it, and and you have to remember when we were filming this, you know, it wasn't ride the divide <laughs> that we know today. It was, it was just a couple people with a video camera out, out in, out in, you know, along the route kind of capturing various, various things that, that were going on. So, so we had no idea that it was a film of what, you know, what, what even was happening other than this thing is going on and, and we, you know, are, are kind of, we're capturing it. Then the other project was obviously as, as an, athlete slash racer, um, you know, doing that. So, and then once I had decided to no longer, you know, race this thing. So then just kind of focusing on, on, um, then potentially back into the, the filming side of things. We talked about filters is, is like, I could put on a different filter now and kind of, you know, see it as a, as a filmmaker, storyteller, journalist sort of situation. So, so then it kind of got, that then became the driver for being being out there and then you know the attention turned to that uh your creative process so you, you said something at the beginning it's like you know we had no idea it was going to be a film like, like we're mm -hmm. just putting a bunch we're just we have a bunch of stuff we're just video snips and we snip it all together that's your bag so so it must have been it must have been nice to put that different hat on and, mm -hmm. and play the producer and and um what's your creative process like for creating a film like that so you know just as a documentary you're just kind of you need to kind of document the journey um and and hunter again having that 10 miles per hour film underneath underneath his belt what was interesting is is um kind of opening up the the process to the people places and things along the way so the focus wasn't only on you know finding the racers and, and finding the athletes it was also 
you know, who are the people you meet along the way that that live along the way? And that's where instances like um, Little Larry, the logger, kind of kind of you know come into play. So so having a focus on being open to spending time and putting attention into the people along the way become characters and story as well. So that I think is a is a very keen sort of process. And honestly, I think that's what make these films potentially stand stand the test of time a little bit better is because it isn't just, you know, point A to point B against all odds and and play up that drama from a bike race standpoint. Um, it's almost more so the the story of um, you know, what's happening and, and who are the racers engaging with, but then also who are the filmmakers sort of engaging with as they're filming this event too. So, so there's a lot of layers going on uh, within there. So that's really interesting. Cause I think the, the, the bike riding is one thing, but I think, yeah, what stands out to me a lot about that film is just, and what I, what I'm looking forward to traveling that route is, is the relationships I'm going to build and the interactions I'm going to have with, with people who are along the route. Um, so I bet that was a huge driver for the the response to the film. It's just the, the, the human nature of it, right? Like, it's not just, mm-hmm. like you said, it's not just, you know, putting it all out there and just, it's not just about racing. It's about right. um, a journey, right? It's about, it's about the experience. Um, that's very cool. Yep. And what's interesting is is almost where, you know, a guy who is totally into bikepacking and, and mountain biking, you know, brings his his uh, girlfriend or a significant other to, you know, to the film or, or watches the film and and the and the significant other is like, that was a really good film. I really mm. enjoyed that. So so I think that's why, you know, the you know, more people sort of enjoy it. But then on, on the flip side, you know, we definitely got quite a bit of crit- criticism from the diehard back bike packers who were like, dude, you, you know, why didn't we see more racers on the trail? Why didn't we see, you know, more racers kind of struggling up, you know, the trails and, and the train and, and things like that, which, which is true. You know, the camera could only be, <laughs> you know, where well, one camera, you know, yeah. could, you know, could it at any given time. So, so it's, um, no, it's uh, I. I challenge anyone to go create another feature-length project, you know, <laughs> um, along this range. And and there's been a ton of short films and and uh, racer, you know, people, you know, cyclists have been had put out their own films, but but I, you know, to my knowledge, no one else has really sort of you know put a feature-length sort of product out um, yet since this one. <laughs> what are your feelings about? all the the chat about filming the route the specifically the tour divide race yeah 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 so to so specifically surrounding the tour divide race my thought is it's an interesting one because anything i say is going to end up being you know hypocritical because i did it right we we made a film about you know, the tour, tour divide race. So no matter what I say, um, you know, I, I put myself out there as, you know, yeah, but you did it. But again, let's look at 2008 through a filter, through a lens. What was going on in, in 2008? This was a brand new event. It was a brand new race. Um, 
Matthew, again, like we started talking about, you know, was like, you, you know, you guys who have put on the Great Divide race as a border to border race, I don't agree with that. You know, if if we want an event that actually starts at the true beginning of the Great Divide mountain bike route in Banff, well, I'm going to lead that charge and I'm going to create a race and I'm going to call it the Tour Divide race. So, so if you look back at 2008, that's what was happening. So, you know, again, not to speak for Matthew, but just my perception, you know, he was, he was excited that, you know, what he had been sort of asking, you know, the committee, (laughs) the great divide race committee for years, you know, he's like, you know what, screw it. I'm, you know, we're going to do it. I'm, we're going to do it on our, on, on our own, which I, I, I love and, and, and absolutely respect. So, so there was giddiness, there was excitement surrounding it. Um, and, and again, we weren't a film crew. We were some dudes out there mm. with, with cameras, right? Absolutely. We weren't, you know, like we weren't Red Bill Bull out f- making a film. We weren't Netflix out, <laughs> you know, creating a film about the Tour Divide race or, or anything like that. It's like, I don't know. Let's let's get a camera out there and document the journey and and see what happens. So, if we look at it through that filter of what was going on during that era, you know, there's some there is some context. Now, you know, year after year after year, as as these races sort of become more popular, um, the rules then come into play. And one thing that you know, the Great Divide mountain bike route really established early on was the sense of self-support. So um, sort of, you know, the godfathers of 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 that, you know, going to, to John Stamstad and, and the guys who put on the Great Divide race and and then even into onto Matthew, it's like there is definitely this, this is really set up to test an individual from a self-supported nature. Um, so to have that sort of really baked into the DNA of what was going on back then, um, I think, you know, people who now who um, remember those times and were part of those times, there's definitely an issue with that DNA sort of baked into the Great Divide mountain bike route. And then knowing, you know, that a film crew out there um, in essence is absolutely causing an element of, of, um, you know, not peer support, but whether it be emotional support or, or, um, and, and it's an element that's there that otherwise wouldn't be there. I don't know. <laughs> no, I think that's but, a good answer. But, I, I, it's, then, a, it's a challenging question. It's a, you know, I, it, it totally just popped into my head. I wasn't, I wasn't trying to yeah. back you in our corner about it, but, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I see a lot. Like I talked to Jay Peterberry and, and, you know, he's one of the the legends that has that yep. DNA baked in yep. and I can totally appreciate that because, you know, I've, 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 I've seemed to always entered sports that were fairly, you know, fringe at the time, like snowboarding, for instance, that got really popular and, you know, there's always, um, a learning curve, right? There's a learning curve to, to these things and in, in their growth. And I think we're just trying to figure out how to navigate it. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I, I can, I can, I can stand on both sides of that, of that line and, and hear the arguments and I, I can appreciate them both. So I, I didn't mean to, yeah, I didn't want to kind of back in a corner. I know no, it, was, it was a pretty hot, it was a pretty hot 
thing last year and you know a lot of people's it, lives were affected over it and you oh know it's God, definitely it, something important to um to discuss right and and again that's why i think context is so important mm -hmm. um because where you are in the timeline mm -hmm. you again not to overuse use this filter analogy that we've kind of been talking about where you are in the timeline and where you are in your own personal experience you're going to have your own filter with with it all and there is no right or wrong answer it's all legit you know mm -hmm. you as an individual you know your feelings and your thoughts and and your goals um that's all legit to to you and you have every right to um to feel and do and act on on that um, you know, my thing, as long as, you know, you do no harm, <laughs> mm. you know, feel free to, you know, enact on, on what you feel best you, you should be doing. But, but, um, but then again, you know, where do, you know, the rules apply, but then it's like, you know, the whole, well, those are the rules now, but, but, but you did it back in 2008. So, mm. and, so anyway, yeah. but, but then again, people just discovered this film two years ago. Yes. So in, in a, Right. So to a lot of people, it's the film is only two years old. Yeah. But the film was shot 12. Let me repeat that. 12 years ago is when we shot that film. Yeah. I think you make a really good point about context. And uh, let's move on. Let's move along <laughs> to some more Moving positive on. things, because regardless of what anyone thinks about the film or the films, because honestly, some of the some of the the modern uh, shorts that are being put out there now are friggin' fantastic, right? They, yes. they've, they've really captured, they still capture the essence of what the race is about. And, um, you can still see and feel the emotion in, in the, in the racers in these films, regardless of whether there's someone around, you can still get a really good picture. So, so for everyone going from 12 years ago to the, your film, to the shorts that are coming out now, um, I'm sure anyone who has watched those films would be just blown away by what they see. Yeah. So it's, I think it brings exposure to the sport, uh, brings exposure to the, to the route. Um, and, um, it's just a beautiful thing. Bikepacking and endurance racing is an amazing thing. And I, I think the more it grows and the more it helps people, uh, to push their limits and, and help them to make themselves be better humans than right. It's, that's anything, what we need. It's beautiful. Anything that sparks, the wanderlust and yes. the inspiration in, in another human being yeah. is amazing. Yeah. Go for it. So clearly the response to the film has been great, but awesome. So, you know, 12, 12, 12 years, the, the film, or sorry, 10 years, the film's been out there. The response has been amazing. And it leads us to now and the 10 year anniversary of Ride the Divide. So um, how's that going? How's the organization going? Um, it's been a uh, whirlwind. It's been, it's been good. So, you know, kind of the, again, back to the idea of so many of the bikepacking events have been canceled, um, around, around the country, the world. And, um, you were seeing concerts kind of, you know, move online and, and move virtual. So, you know, given that we are, you know, our conversation has kind of been about the history and what was going on. Well, you know, the great divide route, you know, even before, you know, we were out there in 2008. Well, again, kind of bringing to light the history. So again, with McCoy 25 years ago, you know, thinking that it would be a cool idea to to try to map and research some kind of off-road um, patchwork of, of different trails and roads 
to uh, from from a north and and his idea was to try to stay as close to the continental divide as as he could. Um, so 25 years ago, it's like what was he doing back 25 years ago, right? So totally want to want to chat with that guy some more. Um, and then and then Stamstad is you know you know now that the longest off road mountain bike route in the world exists you know, what then, you know, inspired him to, it's like, Hey, I wonder how fast I could ride that in. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, so that is, is kind of where I think to add that sort of element into sort of screening and streaming the film with uh, the participating cast and crew, I think could be a really cool afternoon. So. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. I haven't bought a ticket yet, but I will. And I try to get some time to, uh, maybe I'll get the family around. Maybe they'll, participate with me <laughs> awesome very cool and um so what do people have uh, what's the kind of the agenda of the uh, afternoon so for um you know not to turn this into almost like a bikepacking summit that that kind of goes on all day and and then into multiple days um and then not to you know fill out an, an entire day and i don't know i'm kind of honestly making this up as I go. <laughs> it's, um, it's, I'm thinking it, it'll be about two hours of, of conversation with, um, with the, again, the folks who were kind of in, in there on, on the early days with McCoy and, uh, Stamstad and, and Peter Vary and then Joe Polk. And, and I invited Joe Polk because honestly, he taking the initiative to post those audio call-ins um, again, before Facebook and before, uh, I even want to, I even, I don't even think YouTube, YouTube may have been around then, but, but it wasn't, you know, like the YouTube, obviously we know now. So, so to kind of push play on your computer and hear really choppy, low resolution, yeah. you know, pay phone, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, audio of these guys out in Montana and in different places, you know, talking about what they experienced on their bicycle that day, you know, that was, you know, the inspiration back in 2006, right? For, so that's, you know, why did he do, you know, he's, he's kind of a, he, he's, um, he's a cyclist, but, but he is not an endurance cyclist. So why did, why did he do it? <laughs> why did he, why is he putting all of his own time and energy, you know, way back then into, into doing that. Right. So, um, and then, and then Mary is the first, uh, female to, uh, finish, finish the, um, uh, the tour divide race. And then Eddie Clark out there shooting photos. And then, uh, with Mike Hall, um, remembering Mike Hall, who at this juncture, still um is the fastest uh human to uh finish that route so that's just unbelievable like just yeah. the time and i know that seasonality is a big part of it and the weather and all that stuff but god damn it like yeah. that guy's an alien was an alien he was just it was crazy yeah and he uh, was unique on yeah. so many levels for sure yeah. what, what was he like he was God, dude, it's like what you what you saw, and that's where, you know, the inspired to ride film, um, you know, so grateful that, again, there was a camera cameras out there, you know, for for the Trans Am race, um, able to, you know, capture, 
you know, him in action, but then also those downtimes of, you know, interviews and, and along the way, just kind of, you know, hear his character and, and the smiles and the laughs and, 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 you know, the downtimes again, you know, it's, you know, the people who, you know, you kind of look at like a Jay Peter Vary and, and, and a Matthew Lee, you know, they, again, we talk about baked in their DNA. You know, I think there's something baked in, um, people's DNA where perhaps let's just call it, you know, for, for this particular sport, the bikepacking DNA, but again, it goes far beyond that because there's something in it where it's, you know, very self, um, what you as a, as an individual can accomplish and figure out and learn and do and, and, um, conquer and overcome. But then there's also an element of, of being totally cool with sharing it. Mm. with the world and, and others to inspire and educate and help others along the way um, as well. And um, so I think, you know, there's something super cool about that. And to answer your question, yeah, you know, Mike kind of had, you know, all that. And then obviously when um, creating the, the Trans Am event um and everything else was uh, you know i think just a way to to kind of keep growing and evolving you know this whole community and sport and everything else i remember him passing away and uh that was the first i was just kind of getting into the bike packing thing and endurance racing and that was probably the first 100k ride i rode and i was going to do 100k mm. for mike and uh yeah it's it's funny how um the community is quite small, right? And uh, new people can come into the community and it seems like, um, well, it is, it's, it doesn't seem like it. It is. They're just, you're accepted, right? You're just kind of like, there's no judgment. There's no, it's just such a positive community. And I think that um, when I first kind of got into it and I'm meeting all these people and you're kind of, you know, you can reach out to anyone, even these pros and ask them for, for advice on something. Um, I think that's what made that, that community so tight and so meaningful to a lot of people, Yeah, which is why I think that the scene and the route means so much to people. It's, it's the community, it's the grassroots nature of it. And, and it's unfortunate that it's been kind of sullied by, by some, you know, just, I don't know, internet, social media crap, but it still means so much to so many people. And, and, right. you know, I think that's why uh, a lot of people oh you're a great dad for 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 bringing this to their attention you know like <laughs> by you making that film i think you've just you know obviously inspired people to push their limits and right and again it became a film it wasn't you know we didn't set out to necessarily make a feature film that would you know end up on major distribution platforms um it you know that kind of happened with uh, a year and a half in in the edit bay um being able to edit in in and around jobs and family and and uh, and everything else and and just super focusing on on um sort of art of storytelling and and um, kudos to hunter and and josh for um hunter and anthony were in a crew but then another guy josh um kind of came in for about a week and a half as a second second camera so you know kudos to the really there were f like four <laughs> individuals 
you know, total who had kind of shot and captured um, the stories during that sort of three, four week period in, in um, June, 2008, that became that film. And then, you know, a good year plus in, in the Edebe, putting it all together with music and graphics and, and everything else. And, and um, then it did become the film that we know today. I don't, I'm going to watch it later. I haven't watched, <laughs> I haven't watched it for a little while, actually, I, I admit, which is too bad, but I have to pull it out and watch it. Um, so how have you been through COVID? How's it been down there? It's been, it's been interesting. Um, I just got tested today, actually. Did you? <laughs> I did. Um, there's been, uh, um, through some, some friends of, of, uh, my children have, have, uh, you know, kind of been tested themselves. So, which, which kind of had us kind of, you know, go out there, but, um, but it's, um, I don't know. It's probably the same as, as, you know, most everyone I, in that we're totally lucky, you know, no one in our immediate family has been impacted with a death or severe health issues. So incredibly grateful, um, on, on that front. Um, you know, we're still, you know, here in, in Colorado, we can still, you know, get out and, and ride bikes and, and hike and, you know, get, get out and about. So we've absolutely been, been doing, um, a lot of, a lot of that. Um, but, um, it hasn't tweaked us too hard. Good. It's good about, to hear. How about you? How about oh, you? I live in a town of maybe 3,500 people. In, in Vermeer, BC. So it's kind of been business as usual, not for my wife, unfortunately, like the, uh, the schools were shut. So, uh, she's been in the trenches for, for quite a while. And, um, but yeah, I mean, it's weird. It's really, really strange times. Like there's a farmer's market in town and my wife's been working at it. And, you know, I walked down with the kids and I'd say 40% maybe 40% of the people I see walking around are wearing masks and it's, uh, mm-hmm. um, I, I don't wear a mask. I, I don't choose to wear a mask. Um, that's a whole other conversation to have, mm-hmm. but, um, it's just really, really strange times. So, uh, yeah. you know, walking through the, the kids through the farmer's market and it's just like, Hey, hold my hand. Don't touch anything. You know, just, yeah. it's just, it's weird. It's necessary, but it's uh, it's hard. It's really hard yeah. for people to adapt to that. Like even um, I'm doing, like I said, I'm doing a race next week, and and the peop- uh, the owners of the place I work, they're going away, but they wanted to give me a card, right? So they gave me this card. They gave me a couple packs of noon tabs. You know, they're just mm. uh, you know have a great race and have fun, and we'll see you in a week or whatever. And uh, I, I go to hug one of them, and I went, oh, hugs, and they're yeah. like, no. It's like, oh, damn it, right? It's just that's. That's how we operate, right? Yeah. So um, actually, I heard a story on a podcast. It was, um, um, oh, God, I can't remember his name. But he was he was having a really hard time mentally, and he was talking to his dad, and he's breaking down in front of his dad. And his dad gave him some advice, and all he wants to do is give us, his dad a hug, but he can't because he's mm-hmm. immunocompromised, right? So mm-hmm. um, that, that human connection is a huge piece of all this. And I think it's depending on where you are and the, and the population density and how much you have to retreat into lockdown, it's, it's, it's probably, it probably correlates with a decline in mental health. Oh, yes. Like, how Absolutely. Could it not, right? Of course. Most definitely. 
So yeah, it's been hard. Sorry, then we went we all negative again. I, I brought us all negative again. Sorry, Mike. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> It's all but good. It's, it's all good. It's just that human connection piece, right? Which, you know, yes. you know, I guess it, it relates to what we were talking about before about getting into the bikepacking community and in the, the openness of it and, and how everyone's just so gracious. Um, what's next for you after this is done? You, you probably don't have anything on your radar after this, right? You're so focused on this event. <laughs> yeah, this is the, the main focus. Um, you know, no, no big projects, you know, projects have kind of you know, slow down, shut down again with, with COVID, COVID, um, stuff, um, been picking up, um, side gigs, uh, here and there to kind of keep the, uh, the income flowing. So, um, good to hear kind of helping other filmmakers with, uh, distribution, uh, models and things like that. So kind of consulting with some other indie filmmakers on, on some things, but, but, um, but yeah, this is, 100% focus for, uh, for now. Yes. Awesome. I can't wait. Um, and if people want to find information out, where's the best place to go? RTD10.com. One zero RTD10.com. Lots of information there. Information on where to get the tickets or how to get the tickets and yep. some good sales and on stuff right now. You've got some bonus. Y- yeah. Um, there's a, a good sort of we've been live for six days or so now, and there's about um, 60 people um, kind of signed up at, at the moment. So, you know, we're not going to sell out of tickets, you know, being a virtual event. There is no there is no packed room. There is no selling out. So so that's a good thing. And and then so the live event is on August 2nd, but I'm sure there's going to be a ton of people listening to this after that date. Um, we're going to keep it going. So you'll be able to continue to purchase a ticket for the replays, um, side of things. So we'll probably keep that site sort of live and and up and running. There's a whole lot of other sort of things kind of baked into it with, um, you know, once you get inside, once you buy a ticket and you get inside the the screening room, there's going to be um, a whole bunch of Ride the Divide extras and bonus material. Um, one thing that we're doing is w- focusing on the history, but we thought it would also be interesting to also have some conversations about what is happening today mm. um, with adventure cycling from diversity and and access and, and everything else. So there's going to be some conversations um, with Kurt Refsnyder talking about um, his program. Uh, Rebecca Rush um, is going to be talking about her Be Good Foundation, and, and um, she's definitely bringing up some great conversation um, surrounding those topics. Um, potentially Adventure Cycling Association will kind of be in there. So once you're inside that screening room, it'll it'll almost kind of be a little um, um, Netflix, tiny little Netflix with extra content and other things to kind of consume and watch. And then all the, all the replays from the live event will be in there as well. Awesome. And I'm just looking at the website now. Tickets are cheap. Yeah, so a ten-year anniversary, ten bucks, and then you can uh, also choose to uh, throw an extra five dollars to Bikepacking Roots or Adventure Cycling Association. And then there's also a pack, like you can get kind of an anniversary pack. As yes, well. so that is um, so the <laughs> kind of uh, biting biting off uh, a big sort of thing here. So all of the footage um, that we shot again twelve years ago lived on. Um, this really old array. You were talking about arrays at the beginning of our of our conversation, um, and the connection for for this old array, um, we we no longer had anymore. Long story short, we were able to 
retrieve all the footage um, off this old array and we've got it transferred onto a, a new hard drive. So, so we've got um, all of the footage and, and everything again. So we thought, wouldn't it, would it be interesting to, you know, edit back in some of the scenes that we cut out or, or add in um, some extra, extra moments. So the plan is to um, cut in another 10, 15, 20 minutes of footage into uh, an anniversary re-release edition uh, for the film and then kind of put it in in some limited edition sort of pack that would be like a collector's item, something you'd you know maybe be proud to stick up on a shelf or, or something somewhere, and then also um, put out a new official poster um, with it with it as well. So, so that's kind of the big idea with uh, with that. Man, Banff better watch out next year for the Tour Divide start because it's going to be bananas. After this event, you're just going to inspire like more people to get out there on the trail. Honestly, I think, I think everyone who has probably, probably come across the film has come across the film. I don't know though. You know, it's, um, you know, we haven't put the, you know, the film out there in, in any new, you know, locations in the last, honestly, eight years, seven or eight years or so. It's just kind of, you know, had its own life you know, after the two years, two or three years after the, we released it in, uh, in 2010. So whatever it's kind of done between 2012 and now has just been from ripple effects. <laughs> that's the best kind of growth, right? Yeah. Organics, yeah. organic, slow growth. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Well, Mike, because we, I, Oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh uh, yeah. Well, because we moved on to a few other projects after that and, um, you know, we just kind of put that one on the shelf and moved on, you know, back, yeah. back in the day. So, no, that's cool. Um, I'm sensitive of your time. You said you had about an hour to spend. Yeah. I'm actually sitting pretty good if you've okay. got, um, at least another half hour or so if you, if you need it. So, Oh, I was, I was just kind of in the process of wrapping it up. Um, do you still ride bikes? Are you getting out there and riding? Um, I am still you know, riding. Um, we've got some great loops, uh, right from our house. So I can, you know, head out anywhere from an hour and a half to three hours, um, on the western kind of slope of, of Denver here along the foothills. There's a lot of a lot of good stuff. The Colorado Trail is just south of here. So um, I don't get out for too many multi-day type stuff anymore, but, um, you know, lots of sort of lunch rides, evening rides, and, and things like that are how I'm kind of remaining a little fit. <laughs> a little fit. I'm, I'm a little fit. <laughs> got to fight the dad bod, man. You got to just oh, keep dude. riding, right? <laughs> it's uh, it's so real at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> it's so real. Uh, well, yeah, the, the pandemic doesn't help that for sure. Um, you've been hanging out with Bonnie. I saw some pictures of you online I with Bonnie. For, I've um, communicated with her online over the years, but um, she just moved to Colorado awesome. uh, within the last month or so. And uh, connected with her um, for coffee a few weeks ago. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, so I, that I saw nice. that. I saw that photo, and I, I think I reached out to you again, and then I reached out to her. It's like, hey, man, like we got to chat. We got to chat on the podcast. I don't, you know, she's yep. had a crazy journey over the last oh, yeah. know, handful oh, of years, man. right? So, dude, uh, whether she's you know wants to talk about that, that's kind of her yep. call. But it'd, yep. it'd be good to uh, get some perspective on on things. Yeah, and, talk about tenacity and positive spirit, right? Indeed. I don't think I've ever yeah. seen a picture of her not smiling. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> she always has that smile on her face. And yes. uh, so you're freelancing now, pretty much just freelance? Yeah. Actually, with the COVID stuff, I've actually been um, picking up some 
Amazon gigs. Oh, interesting. <laughs> um, which has been um, kind of consistent and and um, kind of vital, I think, for a bigger market like Denver here with, you know, three and a half million people or, or so. Um, so that's actually been, um, you know, it, it's all independent contractor type stuff. So kind of, you know, be, I can jump in and out as it, as it kind of fits into my schedule, but you know, there's a, a huge need for, um, for that kind of stuff at the moment. So that's what's, uh, kind of paying the mortgage, creating web content or video content or actually do actually doing some deliveries. Oh, are you? <laughs> yeah. So do, doing some Amazon delivery type stuff. So right on. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Man, Amazon. What a, what a behemoth of a, oh, dude. it's crazy. Like it's yeah. just uh, like even up here, you know, we have a big distribution center in Calgary, I believe. Um, and if you're a prime member, it's like, you know, we live in the mountains kind of pretty far from stuff. And we, if, if, when I had prime, it was just like, you'd order stuff. You just get it. It was just like two days later, but right there at your door. Dude, and, uh, Amazon, will own the world they <laughs> kind of already i could argue own the world so it's um watch out yeah it's they're insane and then i had heard they were opening brick and mortar stores too which i thought was kind of weird yeah we have one in um the cherry creek neighborhood of denver there's an amazon bookstore um down oh, there okay. so well, bookstore i can kind of see yeah. Books are those things, right? Like, that, <laughs> yeah. no, but you know what I mean? <laughs> those things, you know, I never remember. Read. Remember those yeah. things. <laughs> but like, it's one of those things I was talking to someone at work about it the other day. And I just said, you know, I spend a lot of time on the bike and I don't have a lot of time to really uh, read a book or, or the, I don't have the, the wherewithal just to sit there. I just, I'm so restless all the time. So I listen to books all the time. But she was saying, you know, just the tactile experience of holding a book and flipping pages and the smell. And, and I could relate to what she was saying, but I couldn't relate. I just, I don't have time for that. But I can see yeah. bookstores being a good call. Yeah. And then they bought, um, here in the States, there's a grocery chain called Whole Foods. Yep. So Amazon bought Whole Foods, what? I don't know, four, five, six years ago. So, nice. um, so I guess that would technically be, you know, another Amazon bricks and mortar situation. Oh, so. yeah, I suppose so. Yeah, branching out into grocery store is crazy yeah what a world what a world we live yes. in yes indeed have again you know and and here in denver you you talk about you know things showing up well you you place your grocery order and two hours later your food shows up on your doorstep so that's actually what i've <laughs> kind of been helping out here here and there is um, well, that's good but the need is insane. Mm. It's 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 crazy. And and there are like seven or eight Whole Foods in the greater Denver area. And and it's nonstop people, you know, having groceries show up on their doorstep. It's insane. Yeah, and I, the it'll probably continue to be a, a popular service. You know, totally. I, I mean, I, once you've tasted, <laughs> yeah, for I guess pun intended. Once you've tasted that <laughs> that convenience, it's almost no going back. We're setting ourselves up, man. I mean, oh. you, know, you know, if, if you, uh, you learn about the, I learned about the word, you know, preppers, like when the, when the, the, the pandemic started kind of kicking in and a, a, a buddy at work was just like, yeah, I'm, I'm a bit of a prepper. You know, I'm a little bit of a prepper. Like I've got this and I've got that. And I started thinking about it. It's like, put so much reliance on getting the food delivered to us. And, you know, you, you read or hear a lot about, about people going out and, you know, learning how to shoot a bow and arrow you know, and learning their bushcraft a bit better. And, and, uh, there's something said to, to picking up bikepacking. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. And, and, you know, you growing up where, where, 
where you did and then, you know, me growing up in Montana. But I look at my kids um, and I think we did, my wife and I, who's also grew up in Montana, I think we did a pretty good job exposing them to camping and, and getting out and about. But I, you know, definitely not as much as, as I had the opportunity to grow up. However, my son and his buddies are took a, on a four-hour um, drive down south to like the Sand Dunes National Park and they're on a multi-day sort of back packing trip um nice. you know like five 17 year olds up in up in the mountains so you know so they're up there you know doing doing that at the moment so i guess you know that's a that's a win on to some extent granted they're not you know with a bow and arrow you know hunting for their food but uh but they're out in it anyway yeah i think Exposing kids to that, I find, is really difficult. Our, our schedule here is pretty pretty weird because you know, I'm f- working five days a week, and usually my wife is working weekends. Like we're never really together, and and uh, we get out camping from time to time. But uh, I find that the most challenging thing is to expose them to to this stuff, you know, and um, j- just finding the time to do it and the you know time as a family to do that kind of thing. I find yeah. it really frustrating, and, and they're pretty young, but they're getting there. Sloan Sloan really loves riding her bike. And, uh, I was like, you know, you should, uh, we should do a camping trip sometime and she's down. So I put nice. a little Apodura feed bag on her little tiny bike and right on, you know, just trying to increasing her distance every time we go out just by a little bit, just trying to, you know, just use yeah, what it's like trying to break her yeah. a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah where's that point? Yeah. Of, uh... <laughs> and there's so many great families that's so inspirational to seeing them, you know, like, uh, RJ Sawyer taking his kid out there in the chariot and, and, you know, Katrina and Mike taking Zion on these massive trips, you know, uh, it's so inspiring. Um, yeah, man, it's just, but it's, it's purposeful, you know, yeah. as a parent, I think, you know, it's a decision that we need to make, you know, instead of doing this thing, well, we're going to do this thing <laughs> with the kids and, and, you know, get, get them out, you know, for, uh, we're going to go camp up at 10,000 feet or something like that. Yeah. So, you know, it's a, it's a decision that a parent makes or doesn't make. Right. Yeah. So, and I'm, I'm, I'm a bit bummed cause my wife's going camping with the kids this week, kind of midweek and I'll be at work and we only have one uh, car and they're going kind of far away. It's like, Oh, can I ride down there? No. Cause I'd have to take a day <laughs> off and I've got a race coming up and it's just like, otherwise right. I would, you know, take, yeah. take a day off and ride down or something, but I'm jealous, man. So jealous of going camping. Uh, that's good though. That's it good. Is. Your, your wife's getting them out. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. That's a good thing. Well, Mike, really glad we connected and, uh, I'm glad you're healthy and your family's well. Back and, at you, uh, buddy. Thanks. thanks man. And I do look forward to, uh, participating in this event coming up, uh, rtd10.com. People can go to, to check it out and they should, cause it's cheap. It's cheap as chips. Sit at <laughs> home and, and, uh, you know, enter the circle, you know, if you haven't, if you're thinking of the bike packing thing and you want to get a good vibe and just kind of see what it's all about, then I would suggest this would probably be a good event. Yeah. And I think it'll be interesting to hear, um, you know, some, from, from folks who made the decision and said yes to this whole crazy world, you know, who were, who were the first, right. Mm. <laughs> who were the, you know, some of the first people to say yes and, and take on, um, you know, this bikepacking sport that we now so readily sort of absorb on a, a mass media level. So, and everyone can do it, you know, yep. just face your fear. If fear, fear's healthy, it means you're awake. As Carrie yep. State said the other day, fear is good, means you're awake, but uh, for sure, you can't let it stop you from, from pushing no, yourself it's, a little bit. It's just riding a bike. Yeah. Yeah. It is. 
<laughs> Thanks, Mike. Have a good one. All right, we'll talk soon. Cheers. All right, later. It's just like riding a bike, right, man? You know what? Riding a bike makes me feel more like a kid than anything else. And I think with all the bullshit we have going on in our lives, I don't mean, you know, bullshit, but it's just like, you know, we got the mortgage, we got the kids, we got the job, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, get out there and play. I think a lot of adults forget how to play. And I think it's so important um, in everything that we do. Mental health is so important. So get out there and play, you guys. All right. I want to thank my supporters, Rebound Cycle and Cycling 101. I want to thank all of my supporters out there also who are wearing My Back 40 t-shirts. I appreciate your support. And if you want to support the My Back 40 podcast, just head on over to myback40.org slash support. Have a read. See what you think. The basics are if you donate 50 bucks to the My Back 40 project, I'm going to send you a t-shirt and some stickers. And honestly, I think the shirts are actually pretty awesome. So um, check it out. And if you want to support me, I would really appreciate it. Um, I got Bonnie Gagnon coming up. Can't wait. Uh, a lot of editing in that conversation, unfortunately, because we lost connection. I think I think it was mine. I think my internet connection was being flaky. And um, so there might be some weird snips in it. I also want to ask, please, um, I know I've been putting them out once a week, and that's been my goal to do that. And I know there's ways to make it automatically do it, but uh, Bonnie Gagnon might be a little bit late, so forgive me. I might do a little short podcast just uh, after my my race just to kind of fill you guys in just a little shorty but then yeah i'll put that one out you know a week to 10 days from now so please be patient don't give up on me i'm still out here and i can't wait to bring you more conversations so in the meantime get out there and ride your bike and please please keep the rubber side down (laughs) 